Welcome to two ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about personalize this. Personalization, personalization, personalization. That's six syllables. It's hard to say over and over and over again. When I think of personalization, I immediately think of The Simpsons, of course, and Principal Seymour Skinner to Mrs. Edna Krabappel. Oh, well, I've always admired your tart honesty and ability to be personally offended by broad social trends. It turns out that personalization means quite different things to different people in different areas of endeavor, and it's all psychological. From Dictionary.com, personalization. It's a noun. The act or process of marking with one's initials, name, or monogram. The act or process of making a general statement, work, etc., into one that is particular to an individual. The act or process of portraying people with an emphasis on their human characteristics. The act or process of tailoring something to meet an individual's specifications, needs, or preferences. From TherapyNowSanFrancisco.com Personalization a common type of negative thinking. We all place blame for things that go wrong in our lives. If that car had not cut you off, you would have been in a better mood. If your son had not forgotten to load the dishwasher, you would have gotten to bed on time and woken up more refreshed. However, Many people struggling with anxiety and or depression engage in a much more negative type of thinking called personalization. In this situation, they blame themselves or someone else for something that was actually caused by a complicated chain of events or that was otherwise completely outside their control. For example, many survivors of childhood abuse blame themselves for the abuse they endured. What is personalization? Personalization is the belief that you are entirely to blame for something even though you had little or nothing to do with the outcome. In fact, the situation may not be connected to you in any way at all. It can also involve blaming someone else for something for which they have no responsibility. Symptoms of Personalization While personalization and blame can vary from situation to situation, it always involves negative thinking and, often, hinges on negative self-talk. Some examples of symptoms include feeling like you're to blame when someone else does not have a good time when they are with you, feeling like you are being intentionally excluded from a group when you see members interacting together without you, feeling that others are blaming you for something over which you had little or no control, assuming that you had been targeted by someone's behavior when it actually has nothing to do with you. Who is most at risk of personalization? While we all personalize things to some extent, those with depression and or anxiety-related disorders are most at risk of personalization. 
Often, this is coupled with a history of trauma, such as physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, childhood loss, and more. How to stop personalizing? Countering this cognitive distortion can be challenging, particularly for those who are struggling with the effects of trauma. The first step in these cases is to speak with a counselor and begin the process of healing. However, there are things you can do immediately that will help you stop personalizing. Check your control. When you feel yourself beginning to personalize a situation, ask yourself what you are actually in control of here. Did you have control over all the factors that led to the outcome you're blaming yourself for? Chances are good that you did not and your blame is misplaced. Check your responsibility. When you begin placing blame on yourself for how you assume someone else is feeling, ask yourself, am I responsible for how they think or feel? Unless you did something specific to engender a reaction, you have no responsibility or control regarding those thoughts or feelings. In the end, the most important thing is to react with kindness, both to others and yourself. Combined with counseling, meditation, and mindfulness, this can help you stop blaming yourself and live a happier life. Personalization from Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Now, the Wikipedia entries are dated. They go back to 2015 and 2011, and perhaps even before that. So uh, keep this in mind. Personalization, broadly known as customization, consists of tailoring a service or a product to accommodate specific individuals, sometimes tied to groups or segments of individuals. A wide variety of organizations use personalization to improve customer satisfaction, digital sales conversion, marketing results, branding, and improved website metrics as well as for advertising. Personalization is a key element in social media and recommender systems. Personalization is affecting every sector of society, work, leisure, and citizenship. There's a lot of multisyllabic words in this entry. The idea of personalization is rooted in ancient rhetoric as part of the practice of an agent or communicator being responsive to the needs of the audience. When industrialization led to the rise of mass communication, the practice of message personalization diminished for a time. But the significant increase in the number of mass media outlets that use advertising as a primary revenue stream and as they sought to attract customers through buying space and time in forms of entertainment and information, they made efforts to gain knowledge about the specific biographic and psychographic characteristics of readers and viewers. Another aspect of personalization is the increasing prevalence of open data on the web. Many companies make their data available on the web via APIs, web services, and open data standards. One such example is Ordnance Survey Open Data. Data made available in this way is structured to allow it to be interconnected and reused by third parties. I'm sure we're all familiar with that. Data available from a user's personal social graph can be accessed by third-party application software to be suited to fit the personalized web page or information appliance. Current open data standards on the web include attention profiling markup language, 
data portability, open ID, open social, web pages. Web pages can be personalized based on the characteristics, interests, social category, context, etc., actions, click on button, open a link, etc., intent, make a purchase, check status of an entry, or any other parameter that can be identified and associated with an individual, therefore providing them with a tailored user experience. Note that the experience is rarely simple accommodation of the user, but a relationship between the user and the desires of the site designers in driving specific actions to achieve objectives, that is, increase sales conversions on a page. The term customization is often used when the site only uses explicit data such as product ratings or user preferences. Technically, web personalization can be achieved by associating a visitor segment with a predefined action. Customizing the user experience based on behavioral, contextual, and technical data is proven to have a positive impact on conversion rate optimization efforts. <laughs> Associated actions can range from changing the content of a web page, presenting a modal display, presenting interstitials, triggering a personalized email, or even automating a phone call to the users. According to a 2014 study from research firm eConsultancy, less than 30% of e-commerce websites have invested in the field of web personalization. However, many companies now offer services for web personalization as well as web and email recommendation systems that are based on personalization or anonymously collected user behaviors. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of been updated in the last seven years, eight years. There are many categories of web personalization, including behavioral, contextual, technical, historic data, collaboratively filtered. There are several camps in defining and executing web personalization. A few broad methods for web personalization may include implicit, explicit, hybrid. With implicit personalization, the web personalization is performed based on different categories mentioned above. It can be learned from direct interactions with the user based on implicit data, such as items purchased or pages viewed. With explicit personalization, the web page or information system is changed by the user using the features provided by the system. Hybrid personalization combines the above two approaches to leverage the best of both worlds. Yeah, the best. Web personalization can be linked to the notion of adaptive hypermedia. The main difference is that the former would usually work on what is considered open corpus hypermedia, whilst the latter would traditionally work on closed corpus hypermedia. However, recent research directions in the AH domain take both closed and open corpus into account. Thus, the two fields are closely interrelated. Personalization is also being considered for use in less overtly commercial applications to improve the user experience online. Internet activists Eli Pariser has documented that search engines like Google and Yahoo News give different results to different people, even when logged out. 
He also points out social media site Facebook changes users' friend feeds based on what it thinks they want to see. Pariser warns that these algorithms can create a filter bubble that prevents people from encountering a diversity of viewpoints beyond their own, of which only presents facts which confirm their existing views. No kidding. On an intranet or B2E enterprise web portals, personalization is often based on user attributes such as department, functional area, or role. The term customization in this context refers to the ability of users to modify the page or layout or specify what content should be displayed. Digital maps are also being personalized. Google Maps change the contents of the map based on previous searches and other profile information. Technology writer Eugene Morozov has criticized map personalization as a threat to public space. Over time, mobile phones have seen an increased emphasis placed on user personalization. <laughs> Far from the black and white screens and monophonic ringtones of the past, phones now offer interactive wallpapers and MP3 true tones. In the UK and Asia, Weemies have become popular. Weemies are three-dimensional characters that are used as wallpaper and respond to the tendencies of the user. Video graphics array picture quality allows people to change their background with ease without sacrificing quality. All of these services are downloaded through the provider with the goal to make the user feel connected to the phone. Boy, oh boy, this is dated. In print media, ranging from magazines to promotional publications, personalization uses databases of individual recipients' information. Not only does the written document address itself by name to the reader, but the advertising is targeted to the recipient's demographics or interests using fields within the database of list, such as first name, last name, company, etc. The term personalization should not be confused with variable data, which is a much more granular method of marketing that leverages both images and texts with the medium, not just fields within a database. Although personalized children's books are created by companies who are using and leveraging all the strengths of variable data printing, this allows for full image and text variability within a printed book. With the advent of online 3D printing services such as Shapeways and Pinoco, we are seeing personalization enter into the realms of product design. Promotional items, mugs, t-shirts, keychains, balls, etc. are regularly personalized. Personalized children's storybooks, wherein the child becomes the protagonist with the name and image of the child personalized, are also popular. Personalized CDs for children also exist. Boy, this is old. With the advent of digital printing, personalized calendars that start in any month Birthday cards, cards, e-cards, posters, and photo books can also be obtained if you still want to buy anything like that. 3D printing is a production method that allows to create unique and personalized items on a global scale. Personalized apparel and accessories, such as jewelry, are increasing in popularity. This kind of customization is also relevant in other areas like consumer electronics and retail. By combining 3D printing with complex software, a product can be easily customized by
by an end user. Boy, this is old. Now, this is from 2011. Mass personalization is defined as custom tailoring by a company in accordance with its end users' tastes and preferences. From collaborative engineering perspective, mass customization can be viewed as collaborative efforts between customers and manufacturers who have different sets of priorities and need to jointly search for solutions that best match customers' individual specific needs with manufacturers' customization capabilities. The main difference between mass customization and mass personalization is that customization is the ability for a company to give its customers an opportunity to create and choose product to certain specifications, but does have its limits. One example of mass personalization. A website knowing a user's location and buying habits will offer suggestions tailored to the user's demographics. Each user is classified by some relevant trait, location, age, and so forth, and then given personalization aimed at that group. This means that the personalization is not individual to that singular user. It only pinpoints a specific trait that matches them up with a larger group of people. Behavioral targeting represents a concept that is similar to mass personalization. Predictive personalization is defined as the ability to predict customer behavior, needs, or wants, and tailor offers and communications very precisely. I think anybody who uses social media is very well aware of this. Social data is one source of providing this predictive analysis, particularly social data that is structured. Predictive personalization is a much more recent means of personalization and can be used well to augment current personalization offerings. Predictive personalization plays an especially important role in online grocers where users, especially recurrent clients, have come to expect smart shopping lists, algorithms that predict what products they need based on similar customers and past shopping behaviors. Now, from Salesforce.com, what is personalization? According to Gartner, personalization is a process that creates a relevant, individualized interaction between two parties designed to enhance the experience of the recipient. This is a little bit more current. More simply put, one might say personalization is the act of tailoring an experience or communication based on information a company has learned about an individual. Just like you may tailor a gift for a good friend, companies can tailor experiences or communications based on information they learn about their prospects and customers. Tailoring experiences with personalization. What type of experiences can be tailored? Most of the channels in which customer interactions take place can be personalized. Some of the main ones include websites, mobile apps, emails, web apps like a software as a service application, online ads, in-store in-branch communications, online chats, call centers, and more. Acting on information. What kind of information can be acted on to tailor experiences in those channels? It's basically an unlimited list that contains any information a company can collect about its customers and prospects. Some of the most common include geolocation, source, such as search, email, social, paid ad, referring site, etc. Filmographic information for business to business, 
such as industry, company, revenue, employee count, technology stack, etc. Buying persona, buyer status, that is customer or prospect, time of day, browser or device type, number of site visits, logins or pages, screens viewed, active time spent, time elapsed since last visit, email open, call center interaction, etc. Purchases made, articles read, videos viewed, etc. Lifetime value. Mouse movement, scrolling, hovering, inactivity, affinity toward content and products along with their characteristics, categories, tags, brands, colors, keywords, etc. Email opens and clicks, push notification dismissals or click-throughs. There is a seemingly endless number of ways you could use this information to affect experiences in the channels mentioned. For example, a B2B tech site that modifies its website homepage experience to speak differently to specific companies is using personalization as part of its ABM strategy. A personalized homepage tailored to a specific company. Experience. Tailor homepage hero image. Copy and calls to action. Information used. Company name. A business to consumer shoe retailer that features nursing shoes on its homepage only to visitors that have shown an interest in nursing shoes is using personalization. Personalized homepage using past browsing history. Experience. Tailor homepage hero headline image and call to action. Information used. Past browsing history and time spent by category. A financial services site that displays content recommendations based on each visitor's individual interests is using personalization. Personalized homepage using a visitor's interests and preferences. Experience. Present individually relevant content recommendations. Information used. Interests and preferences inferred from visitors' site engagement. A retailer that sends emails to remind a shopper of an item left in his cart and suggests other products he may be interested in is using personalization. Send a triggered email using a visitor's abandoned cart items. Experience. Send triggered email with individually relevant product recommendations. Information used. Item abandoned in cart and preferences inferred from visitor's site engagement. A software application as a service application that displays a message offering real-time tips to eliminate user confusion in the moment is using personalization. SAAS application displays a message offering real-time tips. Experience. Display timely in-app message. Information used. User actions. A site that highlights the most relevant products for each individual based on the colors, brands, and styles they usually shop in its search results is using personalization. A search bar displaying products based on an individual's previous engagement. Experience. Show individually relevant on-site search results. Information used. Preferences inferred from visitors' engagement with products and those products' characteristics. These examples show only a small fraction of what's possible with personalization. Essentially, anytime a company tailors imagery, messaging, recommendations, communications, interactions, promotions, or advertisements based on something it has learned about a person, it is employing personalization. Personalization versus customization. 
This definition of personalization may sound similar to another concept, customization, but there is a clear difference. With personalization, a company modifies an experience without any effort from the customer. Customization, on the other hand, allows the customer to intentionally modify the experience themselves. Aha! For example, when you adjust your Gmail settings to indicate the number of messages you want to see per page and add a signature, you are customizing your email experience. But when Gmail displays advertisements to you based on your interests, it's personalizing your experience for you. In the first example, you're intentionally changing the experience. In the second, you're receiving more relevant ads without taking any direct action yourself. Let's explore another example we're all familiar with, online shopping. Many e-commerce sites allow you to filter the products shown on a page to help you more easily locate the ones that meet your specific criteria. E-commerce website filter example, that's customization. You are intentionally customizing the products you see on that page to help you find what you're looking for more quickly. But a site could deliver a similar result, helping you find the product that best meets your needs without requiring you to take any action yourself. Instead, the site could sort the products on the page and list those at the top that meet the preferences you've demonstrated by your behavior. For example, if you regularly shop and purchase home decor in black and brushed nickel, it might display those items toward the top of the list. This way, you can find those products more quickly without needing to scroll through pages of irrelevant gold or white decor first. In another example of customization versus personalization, let's consider email frequency. Often when you sign up to join a company's email list, or when you attempt to unsubscribe, <sighs> companies offer you the option to modify your preferences to dictate how often you'd like to receive emails, daily, weekly, etc. Email preference center options. This is another example of customization. You're telling the company how often you'd like to hear from them. But you could reach the same end result, more or fewer emails, with personalization too. In that case, the company would pay attention to how often you tend to engage with their email communications and adjust the frequency of email sends accordingly. Recipients who tend to open and interact with more emails will receive emails more frequently, while those who only interact occasionally will receive emails less frequently. That's personalization. With both personalization and customization, the end result is a more relevant experience for the customer. I'm not so sure I agree. The difference is whether the customer does the work or not. Personalization expectations. There are many reasons why an organization may choose to personalize. It can increase engagement, drive conversions, foster loyalty, and improve a number of other KPIs. But at the broadest level, personalization is important because in today's world, people have come to expect personalization. For instance, many people use a music streaming service like Spotify every day. Users have come to rely on the personalized playlist that Spotify curates for them based on a careful observation of what they've listened to before. The same can be said for watching TV shows and movies through Netflix. With all the content that's out there for viewers' attention, platforms sift through it all to make recommendations for each subscriber, saving them time and improving satisfaction with the service. 
even if you don't use Spotify and Netflix regularly, you can probably still appreciate that personalization is essential to modern customer experience. Generic experiences fall flat when compared to experiences like those. Salesforce's third edition of the State of the Connected Consumer report found that 64% of customers expect tailored engagement based on past interactions, but 52% of customers say companies are generally impersonal. It also found that 71% of customers expect companies to communicate with them in real time. And marketers have recognized that their customers demand personalization. Data shows the vast majority of marketers believe that personalization helps advance customer relationships, while 92% believe that their prospects or customers expect a personalized experience. Whether personalization is obvious, as in the case of Spotify and Netflix, or more subtle, it provides a better experience for the customer. It surfaces important information that makes them feel valued. I am personally offended on some weird level that marketers believe this invasion of privacy is a better experience. When I scroll through social media and see ads for things I almost believe that I mentioned and likely searched for a short while beforehand, knowing that Google Home and Amazon Echo are on and in the room I am in, it makes me stop for a second, pause, and then I just go on. It also excludes people from the rest of the world. Personalization has created the dreaded echo chambers we live in, prominently in the area of politics. We, as they say, silo ourselves, which I will readily admit to, for the intended goal of seeking strength and fortitude in numbers, however well-meaning or misguided it may be. Our playing fields have become woefully lopsided, and we are further entrenching ourselves, apart from each other, in very unhealthy ways. If you go by the way, very smart guys in big tech and people who analyze social trends in all areas of life, we are abdicating responsibility and the dignity of others for our convenience. We need to take our heads out of the sand and look around. You may not like what you see, but being aware is a vital step in connecting with each other. We can't just kneel before the altar of profit if we want to survive. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out.